You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Hey, Michael. Andre, you lucky son of a bitch. Yeah, I yeah, I really am. Um, you sent. You know me, what I'm talking you, about. You sent. And I know me, you know what I'm talking yep, about. Yep, I do know, and I'm I'm really excited to to talk about this. Uh, you sent me uh, on location. Um, you had a personal emergency where yeah, you were a, not my able. Uncle, to, my uncle passed away. Yes, let's, your uncle passed away. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss. That's all right. Um, but you were not able to make it to this interview, even though you and I were both really looking forward to it. And I and I, I tell you, I really tried. I really, really tried. But I got back oh, yeah. to St. Catharines. Well, because because I called you, I called you in the afternoon because your intention was to make it in, and we were we were just figuring out logistics, and you were like, the window had just closed. It was yeah. like. It, you were 80, 80 minutes away from the interview, and that drive from St. Catharines to Toronto is just its just a little too risky to, to time it that close. Yeah, I couldn't do it. So I was like, i, I got to close the door on this one. And I was like, man, I really want to try those wines because I really like Concho Toro wines. Yep, and, that's right. Uh, I talked with uh, them and talk to the guy who makes them. Marcelo Papa, uh, okay. winemaker, okay. uh, 52 years old. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a winemaker of uh, Contitoro okay. since 1998. Okay. Previous, I worked for Emiliana. Okay. Uh, my, my really beginning was in Emiliana, uh, and then I worked for Kendall Jackson. Okay. Yeah. In, in California? Uh, in Chile, because they got it a, a project there. Okay. But I was working in, in Chile, but I was flying, going back, going back, going back. So. It was a fantastic time to learn uh, a lot, yeah, and, and I knew great people uh, from Kendall Jackson. So 20 years, 21 years in Contidoro, and and I was in church of Casiero del Diablo and okay. Marquez de Casa Conti in this, the last 20 years. Okay. And two years ago, I took the position of a technical director of the company. Okay, so does this mean so, that you oversee all the winemaking? Uh, yes. In- including yeah. Don Melchor? No. Don okay. Melchor, it's uh, uh, separate. It's another division. But all the rest of the wines of, uh, of the company I oversee, Amelia, Teruño, Marquez, Carmin, Carmin de Peumo. Uh, yeah, it's really and interesting. And how, how many different uh, labels... Are, are made oh, at Conchitoro. Many. Okay. How many. many of those labels do we see in Canada? Oh, good questions. I don't know. But thirty, yeah. But uh, Conchitoro, Chile. The brands that you will recognize more are Casillero del Diablo, yep. Frontera, yep. and Marquez de Casa Concha. Also, we have Terruño, which is up and beautiful wines. Yeah. Amelia Chardonnay, Amelia Pinot Noir, and also other tiny brand that the name is Maicas del Limari, which is from Limari. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic too. So many, many brands. Huh? Yeah, and, uh, and and you're visiting Canada right now, uh, and you're talking specifically about uh, Marquez. Uh, the focus on this trip is Marquez. Okay. Uh, this time I will be in Toronto and Calgary. Okay. And uh, the other thing that I don't mention you that when I took the position of technical director, okay. I leave some 
wines because I, I can't in charge of the all, all the company plus all the wines that I did it for 20 years okay. so I uh, the wines that I made today are focused on Maipo Valley okay. and Limari okay right. so, so when you're talking Maipo Valley that's mainly Cabernet, Marquez, Cabernet uh, and Limari what are you getting growing in Limari Chardonnay and Pinos okay yeah so Marquez Chardonnay, Marquez Pinot Noir, Amelia Chardonnay, Amelia Pinot Noir, and Maicas del Limari, which is, is Chardonnay and Pinot Noir base. And Maipo is Cabernet and some Syrahs. So I, today I am church of less wines, okay. but wines that I really like. Okay. Uh, it doesn't mean that the other wines of the company I don't like. I, I like. I understand that. But in terms of distance, I concentrate on this. Now, between Maipo and Limari, do you have, uh, out of the two regions, one that you're more excited to work with or something that you, you do like better to work with? No, but uh, similar. I like uh, the two areas a lot. I like the, the Maipo area because it's very classic. It's the classic Cabernet from Chile. And I think that there are history, the, it's fantastic, right? And there are a lot of history. Uh, in Maipo with the Cabernet. And Limari, it's a kind of a new extreme area, uh, very exciting in terms of, uh, it's a kind of new discover, very exciting Chardonnay and Pinos. Yeah. Uh, so I have in the hands a little bit of uh, the classic and the, and the extreme. Well, it's, it's really interesting because I, I think Chile is so well known in the market for Cabernet Sauvignon yeah. and it's known in the market for affordable Cabernet Sauvignon, but we're starting to see more interesting and, and exciting wines starting to uh, come out of Chile. Yeah. If you had to pick one varietal to kind of bet that's going to kind of be that second thing that Chile is known for, what do you think it's going to be? Um, very good questions. I think Cabernet Sauvignon number one. As of you course, said. I think it's it's Cabernet Sauvignon is going to be number king one. in king in Chile for a long yeah. time to come. I think probably number two today, maybe Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. But I think that the potential for Pinot Noir it's uh, much higher. So I think in the future. Pinot Noir could be uh, uh, very good. We, we, we are getting very nice report of, of in terms of quality of Pinot Noir. Yeah. And the pin and with Pinot Noir also you could move in up in terms of quality and price. Uh, much forest than Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc is more limited. People normally don't want to spend more money for a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. Well, and Chile is excellent for Sauvignon Blanc in the in the market. I, yeah. I wrote an article last year just doing a profile of Sauvignon Blanc from, from Chile and the, the thing is like New Zealand really has the market cornered in, in Canada when you talk right. Sauvignon Blanc to a, a budding wine enthusiast they yeah. probably aren't thinking very much about France or California or Ontario yeah. or even Chile they're thinking New Zealand uh, yeah. but it's a great way to save yeah. a few dollars and still get comparable mm. quality yeah. Chilean Sauvignon Blanc. I think Blanc. that the, the conditions that we have in the country for Pinot Noir Yep. are fantastic and Pinot Noir is a tough variety to do, it's expensive to do, so I think that uh, we have a very good opportunity. You could go and taste Pinot 
in Chile from the coastal areas. Yes. And normally are pretty good and yes. good price points. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything in, in Chile that's that's too excessive. I mean, the, the, the one thing that did frustrate me a little as um, as a, a wine tourist visiting the country was I think there's a huge opportunity to fill the middle, which is why it's ex exciting to, to talk about Marcas, is the entry-level wines are good because they offer great value, yeah. but the icon wines, the gap in price is so high yeah. that it's there's a bit of a sticker shock when you when you get there. I agree. And... Uh, I, I don't know for for Marcus. How much does a, does this cost at the LCBO? It's twenty two ninety five. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity to get a, a little yeah. bit more wines like this in the market and Monte like yeah. thing like Montes Montes Alpha and yeah. things like that. Yeah, with with Marques we have a beautiful range of wines on the twenty two dollars or some, some on on that uh, uh, price and. You have the opportunity to taste uh, different areas because every single variety is coming from a, a specific appellation. Okay, right on. And uh, for example, from Limari, we do the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir. Okay. And uh, are in the market and are fantastic wines for that price point, that mid, mid price. Uh, so I think Marques is a fantastic opportunity. Well, uh, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about a little bit about how the wine is made without getting too technical. Um, what would be the biggest difference between how something like this is made, how the Marcus is made, versus Frontera, which is oh. what most people would be familiar no. with, right? Yeah, no, two words. Yep, very very different. Frontera or or maybe Casillero. Okay, Casillero, I think people recognize. Definitely, you know, yeah. definitely. Casillero del Diablo is a wine where, for example, uh, we would use the Cabernet as, a, as an example. Yes, let's, let's do that. Yeah. Casillero Cabernet, uh, which is the uh, biggest in terms of sale in all the Casillero portfolio, the Cabernet, we use grapes or different vineyards from Maipo, Rapel, and Maule. Probably there are 30 or 40 different vineyards in the blend. How many? How many hectares? Just to get oh, a picture. We are doing. We are doing about two million cases of Casiero <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. So two thousand hectares. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's Could a lot. Yeah. Yeah, take uh, 10, 12 tons per acre per, okay. per, per hectare. hectare. Yeah. So yeah, two thousand hectares more or less. Okay, and is yeah. it just with so, the with the, the, the climate of, of right? Well, like, the so, thing when I visit the country, like, the climate of Chile is really like it's 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 magic. Yeah, like you get in the summer thirty degrees in the day, and then at nighttime, like miracle, it, it comes down to fifteen degrees Celsius. So it's really like it's. It's perfect for grapes to let them yeah. stress and relax. Right. So you're able to just are you able to just crop things a little bit higher for making an entry level wine like Casiero? Yeah, for Casiero we normally we are running on twelve tons per hectare. Okay. Twelve, thirteen. Sometimes we arrive at fourteen. Okay. But uh, between ten to fourteen depends on the vineyards. Yes. But what what is the idea with Casiero? Okay, we use the country. We scanned the country and we said, okay, good areas for Cabernet Sauvignon. We need 
or alluvial soils or red clay, uh, Andes mountain influence or Pacific Ocean influence, but not very cool. We try to avoid the mid part of the country, which is warmer. Okay. And then in this is a scan, we select the vineyard, and then we vinify, and uh, we start the process. Okay. With Marques, it's completely different. We said, okay, which is the area that we like more for Marques? Okay. We like Maipo. So we have two or three vineyards in Maipo, in the highest part of Maipo, just the appellation of Puente Alto and Pirque, and we have three vineyards in that area, and we took, we go on seven, eight tons per hectare, so reduced yields, or controlled, more controlled yields, and then we go and uh, we ferment and we do all the process. Uh, but the wine has a sense of origin uh, very fine on the appellation. Okay. And Casillero then, you, sorry, you don't find a... Uh, you don't find a kind of sense of one single place. You get a sense of Chile yes. as a big blend. Yeah. Marquez, no, it's a sense of origin. Okay. So, the Chardonnay, Casillero, we use grape from Casablanca, Limari, Rappel Coast. So at the end, it's a very nice wine. And the Marques Chardonnay is just from Limari, from one vineyard. Okay. So it's much more specific. Are we going to have the Chardonnay later? That's great name. So what the are the, I'm a I'm a big fan of Chardonnay as uh, as as my podcast co-host is not here right you will now. Like. I'll say, you will like. Well, what he says is if it says Chardonnay on the label, label, label. Yeah. Put it on my table, table, table. Yeah, so. you will like the Chardonnay <laughs> and the and the Pinot tonight. Yeah. Uh, if you like it, the Tavali ones. Yeah. The wines. Yeah, very much. Yeah, the, you the will like Cabernet, this. The Cabernet Franc that uh, Tivoli makes is okay. Uh, yeah, just but outstanding. Okay, right. But yeah. I. I, I, I I think just everything about that that Cabernet Franc kind of eclipses what I thought about the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir. So I'm looking forward to tasting tasting yours. Now, when you're talking about uh, like soil conditions, Limari is a little bit. Uh, what's what's what, what is it that you're looking for for Limari? Oh, we're seeing pictures. Okay, so this we've is got the a, a soil of uh, Limari. Okay, red clay, red clay, limestone. Okay, so. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are delicate varieties that really needs the clay to support and yes. the limestone to give the mineral texture, the the structure and the freshness. Is, Plus is there, the cool climate, a, great. Is there a lot of limestone in, in Chile or is it really no. just... So Limari no, is, Limari. Is, is interesting because it's yeah. one of the few places that has... Yeah, and there are not many. Limestone. There are not many places and Limari is one of them. Okay. In Rappel, not exist. In Maipo, very difficult to find. Uh, Limari, you find the limestone. Okay. Um, in the southern part, of, for example, Marchiwe or Cauquenes, yes. in Maule, you find that red clay, but over granito. Not granite over granite. Uh, instead not, of limestone. Yeah, not over limestone. Okay. Granite is rock. Yes. This is limestone. Okay. Uh, now, how do you find uh, it is to, how, how difficult is it to convince a customer to go from drinking Frontera to 
drinking mark is? Ah, it's a good question because... Uh, I know you're not doing a lot of the sales, you're doing the, the technical, the technical yeah. part of it. But. I think uh, it's a good question. I think uh, we need to push the consumers to spend a little bit more money yeah. in order to go for wines with appellation. Okay. When th then you start to really understand the the flavors of, from the from a single place. Okay. And this is very how do you say re re repeatable. That works. Repeatable. Yeah. Right. Because when you arrive to Maipo, of co of course it's an appellation wine, so you need to go and pay more. So, and if you taste a wine from Maipo, not just from Marques, from other brands that are working in Maipo, and you like that wine, then when you go and you say, lay in the, in the label Maipo, there, there is gonna be a kind of a link uh, on those products, on those wines. When you go and you buy a bottle of Casillero, it said Chile. If you go for another one and say Chile, uh, there are a less link, right? It's a uh, so when you are moving up and up or more focus on an appellation, yeah, you start to define a place. You maybe you like or maybe not, but if you like a wine from Maipo, probably then you go and you could buy another wine from Maipo and you will like. Okay. If you like it, the, the first. Yeah, of course. It's a great way to help to, to discover discover regions that get going to that. And it's, it's a uh, kind of uh, putting focus on a definition of what you like or not. Yeah, and, and recognizing that even though on a map, Chile is yeah. very narrow. Right. But then the north to south, like there is a big difference in the climate from uh, Limari to yeah. Maipo. To if you like, if, if you arrive into Limari and you taste a uh, Tabali, Chardonnay. Yes. Then, if you go and you and you see on Marques, Chardonnay, Limari. We do those side by side. Yes, because uh, if you like a Tavali, you will like the Marques okay. because the sense of the place is very strong. Yes. So uh, I guess to get outside of Canada and what people are doing here, um, I know that when I was in. Chile, they were, and I, that's, I guess, the second time I've mentioned my trip, so I've hit my quota, Michael. Um, the food scene is really starting to take off. Like, it's still quite new that the food scene's taking off. I'm guessing the, the wine scene is also picking up the follow. What are people in, in Chile really excited to drink from Panche Toro? Like, when you're, you're going into a restaurant, if you're going to a good restaurant in, in Santiago, yeah. what, what are people drinking? Oof. First, depends very much uh, of the restaurant. Okay. If it's seafood. Okay. Barbecue. Okay. Uh, fusion. Uh, Japanese, Italian, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So it depends a lot, but uh, I think that in, you find normally a great diversity of wines in, in the menu or in the list of the restaurants. Okay. But normally are Chileans. Yeah. So you need to read again. 
on the restaurant, you, you have a nice opportunity to go and ask for appellations. Okay. So, if you go for a restaurant, you, you uh, go for a ceviche, go for, because ceviche, you must yes. go for a ceviche, yeah. right? Okay, ceviche, don't go for a chardonnay, go for a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. I think it's the best combination in Chile uh, with ceviche. Ceviche and Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, but, Perfect. Uh, so, uh, I mean, beyond just like sort of the basic with what wines that go with food, do you find uh, people in Chile are starting to drink better wines, more expensive wines, yeah, and definitely. moving away from, from entry-level wines? Absol uh, absolutely. It's a trend. Okay. It's a trend, and today the people is more focused and and it's spending more more money, more time in order to select the wines, and it's taking more risk to go uh, into more extreme valleys or ex extreme wines. Okay. People to, is more curious. Yeah, because at the end, wine is that. Yes, over being. It's, it's a kind of uh, experience when you go into a restaurant many times you could uh, cook at home many times much better than the restaurant sometimes but <laughs> if you go to a restaurant you get you get you get you want to get the experience the experience of the environment the experience of food of the food the experience of the wines so it's that okay so I, I think you probably find when a lot of people are thinking about Chile and they're thinking about Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon, they're thinking about Maipo, like that's kind of the general idea when you're yeah. talking to even someone who is maybe learning learning about wine, what they're thinking about about Chile. Yeah. What do you think is is um, what do you think is the biggest thing that that people that the average consumer doesn't understand about Chilean wine? Uh, good questions. I think that. Uh, I don't know if it's just Chilean wines or in, in general. I think that uh, people or normal consumers sometimes are, they, when they spend money in a bottle of wine, many times they don't want to take risk. And uh, if the consumer said, they, they said, okay, first choice for red variety, Cabernet Sauvignon. Because all the rest of the variety, I start to take risk. So they go for Cabernet and, and said, okay, Chilean Cabernet, safe. Napa Cabernet, safe, very good, more expensive. Yeah. Uh, and said, okay, Cabernet. And suddenly you have Merlot, Carmener, Syrah, and people go but with more risk and so for that reason people if you look the the what we produce uh, for example in Casiero 50% of the total sales of Casiero is Cabernet Sauvignon okay and then when I do a tasting with consumers and then I ask and previous we we taste Malbec Casiero Pinot Noir, uh, seven different varieties. And I ask which is the wine that they like it more. Cabernet is not the one that that uh, is not the winner. I think you use, you use the word safe, which is which is really yeah. 
it's really in, it's really interesting, and, and we've talked a bit about experience as as yeah. well, uh, because like Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile, you're right, like it's safe and it's very satisfying. Yeah, like it's it's like comfort food. It's like it's a comfort it's, like it's a comfort area. But I, I want to talk to you. So do you do you do Cabernet? Do you do yeah. America's Cabernet? Right, exactly. And do you do Cabernet in uh, Casiero as well? Yes, of course. I mean, that's something I think if. We, I think if you're looking for something that's a bit of a departure, especially in Canada here, where if you have a Cabernet Franc from Niagara, right. you get a lot of that savory, the, the pyrazine, the vegetal notes. Right. So if you're looking for kind of a Chilean comparison, I think Cabernet is a good, Cabernet. A good, a good a way good, to go. It's a good combination. Right. And it's, um, I don't know, why don't you tell me, how would you, how would you describe Cabernet to someone who's just really used to Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon? Uh, I think that the... Carmenere, in terms of aromas, it's a variety that is a little bit more spice, black pepper, uh, dark plums, and but I think that the in the aromas is different, like the Cabernet Sauvignon, that the Cabernet is more cherry, more cassis. But I don't think that the biggest difference it's in the nose. I think the biggest difference is in the mouth feeling. I agree with that. Right. <laughs> The Cabernet Sauvignon is more tannic, more tight, more robust, uh, and the Carmenere is quite deep, quite concentrated, but much more velvety, soft, less acid than the Cabernet Sauvignon. I think that the, the biggest difference is in the mouth feeling, of course in the nose, but I think in the mouth feeling. But I think people should take risk and go and taste different things. Okay, so the bottle of Marcus I have in front of me is 2016. I was down there in January. Okay, that's the third time I mentioned it, but it's relevant to the question I'm about to ask. How, how was 2019 as a, as a growing year? How did the harvest, ha harvest work out this year? Uh, 2017? No, 2019. This year, uh, 19. Just finished. 19. Just finished. Uh, I like, I think... Uh, I will tell you something. 16, it was a rainy year, okay. very difficult year. We suffered a little bit. Okay. Then, 17, it was a very warm year, and we got a lot of fire, and uh, we needed a little bit more of uh, water, and we don't, we don't have it. So, tough. 18, beautiful. It's one of the best in the last 10 years. Really nice year. And 19, it's, I will say, pretty good. Uh, probably one of the best in the last five or six after the 18. It's very concentrated. Uh, the year was slightly warmer uh, in the, just on the summer because the rest of the season was cooler. So I think that the result is pretty good. And probably in the last uh, six years, probably is the, one of the best after 18. Right on. Is Marcus available at the Vintages right now? It's an essential. So Marcus is an essential at Vintages for $22. And uh, thank you very much for, thank you very much. for uh, giving me the time and telling me about your wine. Yeah, Wines. thank you. Thank you. That interview was a lot of fun. Um, but I really wish I had a microphone on the table uh, during the great dinner that we had at Maison Selby uh, to record some of the conversation I had with Marcelo 
during dinner because I was sitting across from him and it was really interesting talking to him about things like Cabernet Franc uh, and Carmenere because um, right now Conchi Toro do have some Cabernet Franc planted in Maipo that they're using for blending and um, we were talking about how Cabernet Franc loses its varietal characteristics when it's pummeled with heat which I mean is a problem I have with uh, Cabernet Franc from California. Anyways, it was just really interesting to, to hear Marcelo, you know, be really excited to work with uh, cooler climate regions in Chile, Limarie with the Pinot Noir and the Chardonnay, which are both excellent. Uh, but the the highlight of the night for me at the table was the Carmenere uh, paired with Ratatouille, which is something I don't get to eat at home very often because my wife is allergic to eggplant. I thought she was allergic to rat. No, it's eggplant and walnuts. Oh, got it. Yeah, well, Michael, I'm so. sorry you couldn't be there. I, I, I really, I like. I've talked to my my cello before, and uh, he is a lot of fun to talk to. Always open, uh, and yeah, I was, I was, I was, was kind of sitting here at home, kind of stewing, going that bastard gets <laughs> to taste these wines, and talk to Marcello because you know he really is. A wealth of knowledge. So, and, so and good like interview. You said, I think, I think when, you said, when you said open too, I mean, I think that's that's one thing that's really reflected in the in the wines. Even when you're making wines on on that scale and on the scale of like Marquez de Conchitoro is, he really is open and and open minded. I know we just recently talked to Thomas Pachelder, but you know, I I do enjoy asking winemakers from out of town if they've had a chance to taste the the local wines. And right away, he remembered tasting Le Clos Jardin wines uh, quite a quite a while ago. Uh, unfortunately, my interview with him was before we found out the brand was res- resurrected, so I couldn't let him know the the good news. But I mean, the fact that a winemaker from Chile knows what's going on in a small region like Niagara, I think, speaks a lot to someone who's just in pursuit of knowledge and great wines. Well, I know he comes back either annually or or, or biannually, so I, I hope we get a chance to talk to him again. Me too. Really, really, truly hope so. Anyways. Uh, I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. Um, make sure you check out our Patreon. We are hat in hand. Uh, we've got a few people throwing a few dollars in the swear jar, but uh, you know the, this podcast will always be free. But if you can afford to toss a couple dollars I, our way, it certainly makes it easier for us to continue to provide great content to you. And we we really do uh, we really do appreciate uh, anything we get. I'm Andre oh, Proof from AndreWineReview.ca. Oh, uh, no, you do, no, you go. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Andre Proof from AndreWineReview.ca. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And as always, good night. Andre, you're still a bastard. Did you really have to add that part at the end? That's... I really did. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.